Blog Talk Radio. Celebrate Father's Day. Hope everybody's doing well. We've got a great show lined up today. We've got some great news coming out on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We'll get into that later on in the show. Uh, we are going to have fans there. Maybe not as much as we want, but hey, we'll take whatever we can get. And a lot of stuff going on with NASCAR this week. We're going to pack unpack that throughout the show today uh, mo from the bs sports shows getting ready to join us uh also we've got uh, matthew embry uh from wsbt up in south bend our official indycar contributor steve wilson uh from speedway digest our official nascar contributor uh also ed kratz beat writer for the philadelphia eagles and si.com we're gonna we're going to really talk about this heavy in the NASCAR segment, but we're going to talk about this Bubba Wallace, I want to say, just PR nightmares. We're going to get into that. We'll unpack that. Also, the coming back of the NBA, what's that look like? Are we even going to see anything with the MLB? Uh, so, lots to, lot to do, lots to talk about. 9178898516 is my digits and uh, we'll uh we'll we'll kick things off right about now. St- stick around. It's about to get good. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 four four with a barbershop quartet. Pass the ball, pass the rock. We're open, just pass the 
Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For unbelievable morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, that went in my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Time to kick things off. My name is Michael Taylor, President. Joining us now is uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, how is you? Ah, I'm alive. <laughs> yeah, like, well, you know, things are starting to get a little bit better. I actually, believe it or not, I got in my vehicle and 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 made some errands yesterday. For the first time, I've actually drove my car in like three weeks. So, hey. Wow, I, I I got out there and well, I had to make a beer run, of course, you know. So uh, <laughs> the liquor store has 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 it. It's like going into IKEA. Enter here with all the little arrows. Follow follow here. You have to follow the little arrows. Uh, but uh, the only people that were wearing masks were the people in the uh, that were employees of the stores. So. I, I don't know if that should worry me or not, but uh, maybe we're on the maybe we're on the tail end of this thing. We'll we'll definitely uh, see how things are going. We're gonna we got a lot to unpack today. I want to talk a little bit about the NBA, but I also let's let's start beginning to unpack this uh, Bubba Wallace issue with NASCAR because because of the world that we're in, we've been talking about it, and I feel like maybe we beat it to death. But I feel like NASCAR maybe jumped the gun on because. On, they wanted to get ahead of this, and now it comes out. So just to, to kind of give the the background, and I'm sure you know the story, but for those that don't, uh, last week, week before last, I should say, uh, at Talladega, uh, there was a what was reported as a noose uh, hanging from uh, Bubba Wallace's I mean, in Bubba Wallace's garage. At that point, we didn't know really what it was. Uh, Bubba Wallace obviously is the only African-American driver in uh, NASCAR. Talladega is in Alabama. Alabama is obviously known uh, for, and and I'm not saying that that's the current state of Alabama, but just the history of Alabama. It's certainly one of the the, uh, key points of uh, of, uh, civil rights and, and racism. And then you have you pile on the fact that that NASCAR said no Confederate flags. We could get we could we could go down that path too. But the thing is, the Confederate flag does not represent slavery. It was never meant to represent slavery. It was just meant to represent the the, the Confederate 
States of America, which was a separate country when they succeeded. It was a flag, uh, like any other flag in the in the world. Uh, yeah, certainly slavery was a major issue issue of the Civil War, but it wasn't the only reason that we had the Civil War. So the Confederate flag did not rep- ever represent slavery, uh, but that's a whole other uh, sidebar. Uh, uh, thing that we could go on and, and go down and, and if we wanted to get into the weeds, but we, we don't. So we're going to stay on, on Bubba Wallace. So they found what was reported to be a noose. And so NASCAR was all over it, uh, gave a public statement, and of course all of the support, everybody came out. with. But then uh, earlier this week, uh, the FBI determined that the said news was discovered in Wallace's garage on the evening of 20, June 21st, uh, was really there in October 2019, and therefore could not have been meant as a racist gesture toward Wallace, the NASCAR Cup Series fully uh, only full-time African-American driver who, has been, who had been assigned the stall only a week before last weekend's race. Uh, so it, it turned out it was a garage pulley. And and I've been to many, many tracks, and it's very common to see a pulley. Did I, have I ever really looked at it uh, close enough to see if it looks like a noose? But a, a, a noose is just a rope, okay? If you have ever been to a rodeo, they, they rodeo cows. A noose is just a rope. And so then Bubba Wallace, you know, his – He began to piggyback on this and began to make it his own personal marketing PR campaign where he went on every television show. He went on every – he went on The View. He went on this. He went on that. And this was after the FBI had said, hey, this was not a noose. And his thing was, well, it was still a noose. So I think both both parties went wrong here, but I think NASCAR really dropped the ball in just trying to check – trying to – uh, explode and vomit the information about this out to the public and create a big stir that maybe under 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 other situations would have never happened. Uh, so I said all that to ask you, Mo, uh, where are we at with this? What are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I think the, the biggest thing you said there, I mean, I get why, why he was upset, but you made a statement that I think has been – a statement that has happened over the last four or five years that NASCAR bungled something. You know, they, they, they've tended not to be able to uh, handle most anything correctly. They've had their biggest stars leave. They've seen declining television ratings. They've seen declining uh, attendance uh, over the last five to 10 years. And, uh, you know, they made another huge misstep here. Uh, You know, they figured, Hey, we're the only sport running. They got some big time attention, and then you saw a lot of people, uh, you know, who were uh, comparing Bo Wallace to the Jesse Smollett from Chicago from a couple of years ago, where he had the uh, the the fake attack. So, you know, I understand if he saw it and was upset by it, and with the climate right now in the country, thought somebody was, you know, making a racial statement towards him. But maybe next time, before minute one, would jump out here and say, "Hey, look." This has just happened, you know, and it's because of this. Let's figure out what's going on and then, then have your statements. That way nobody winds up with egg on their face or, or has people coming after them after the fact because they figure that, uh, you know, they were overacting or set this up. So, 
NASCAR again made another huge mistake, and I think it's it's just the next in a long line of ones they've made over the last five or ten years. Yeah, you made an interesting uh, point there about the comparison to Jesse Samala up in Chicago. Here's the thing: I don't go that far with this. I don't go that far. I don't think because the reason the def- the difference is because Je- uh, Jesse uh, ca- calculated it and 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 planned it and hired people and orchestrated it it was it was almost like he was performing a an act in his show or whatever uh bubba wallace didn't do this he just took advantage of of something that was good it's kind of like finding a hundred dollars on the street do you do you try to find the owner or do you keep it and 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 spend it you know and that's kind of where he saw a great opportunity and you know to quote him he said let's get it straight I don't need all the fame and the media hype to create my brand and to create my image. People know me, know I'm 100% raw and real, and know I go out and, and give my all at the racetrack. And you know what? I will give that credit to, to Bubba Wallace. He is that kind of a person. And even before all of this, he's always been kind of on the cutting edge. And, you know, he's been, uh, you, you know, the guy that's been out there uh, uh, horsing around during rain, rain delays, throwing the football uh, to, to fans, uh, playing his drums in the garage. Uh, so, so yeah, he's, he's always kind of been on the edge and kind of does things like other people don't do. Uh, right. He rides his scooter around the track. And, and so he's, he's very active, but when he is in the track, he's, 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 he gives it all. But I'm going to tell you this, just because what, how much I follow racing, Bubba Wallace, it might be good enough to be in NASCAR and drive for Kyle Petty, but he is not a Jimmy Johnson. He is not a Jeff Gordon. He's not a a Dale Jr. who's getting ready to go into the Hall of Fame. He's just not. So he needs this. This does help him because sponsors can't say, "Hey, well, we're going to drop you because you're you're you're." Uh, going way too far to the left on this right there's no way a sponsor's ever going to drop bubba wallace because of his stand on racism there's no way uh, kyle petty's going to drop him because of his stand on on racism and and he's and 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 he has used it to his advantage because at this point from this point going forward if he loses a sponsor or if kyle petty lets him go guess what he's going to pull out the race car. It all happened because of, of this. I, I will give him partial credit, but I, I, I won't say that he, he went as far as as the Jesse Small. We're going to get into more of this with uh, throughout the show, uh, but I just want to get your your your, th- your thoughts on it, Mo, because we just kind of gotten ourselves uh, into a. I want to say let's get back to normal, but I don't even know what normal is anymore, Mo. Yeah, I mean me either, honestly, at this point. Uh... It's sad that this feels like normal now. You know what I mean? Like it's been so long without sports and out, out doing normal stuff that this feels like normal. It's hard to think back when we could just do whatever we wanted and go where we wanted and and watch sports. It feels like forever ago. It does feel like forever ago. Well, it also feels like forever ago that we had an NBA game. Uh, talk with us a little bit about how we're coming on the opening of the NBA. We've had a, the deadline come and pass where where players uh, had to let the NBA know if they're coming or back or not. We had a few people that said that they weren't coming uh, back. Uh, those were players with teams that probably uh, that the NBA deemed wasn't going to be uh, part of the um, uh, postseason if you will but we got us a bubble 
uh, a bubble uh, uh, NBA season up and coming, and it, and it's going to be a rapid fire, if you will, multiple games throughout the day, uh, throughout the different parts of the bubble. Uh, they're they're staying in multiple hotels, but lots of safety precautions in place. Maybe NBA is overdoing it, but uh, talk with us about the coming back of the NBA. Well, I mean, yesterday, I don't think anybody's overdue at this point. Yesterday, 13 NBA players tested positive for the coronavirus. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's going to be a process. It's going to be, you know, you can have all the the precautions in place you want, but it's going to be a, a day-by-day learning experience, I think, for the NBA. One of the big factors of players who aren't going to play, I think, that could be somewhat uh, that you might want to watch is Avery Bradley. Uh, for the Lakers, you know, who are one of the top teams in the NBA is, is not going to play. And that could open the door uh, for the Lakers to bring back to Marcus Cousins. So uh, there are going to be some interesting movements that are, you're going to see some people get sick and some guys replaced. And, and DeMarcus Cousins seems to be the guy out there that uh, every team wants. We've got uh, NBA coming up uh, July 31st. The Lakers are going to be playing. The Pacers kick their season back off again on August 1st. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the, 2020 uh 2021 season because at this pace right now the nba season this year's nba season will end in october normally when we're getting geared up for the next season so it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of adjust everything uh you know as the nba gets back going and it'll be fun i think for people even though there won't be fans there to kind of hear what it sounds like because if, if you haven't been to an nba game and sat close to listen to the guys on the floor, the way they bark out instructions or trash talk. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be pretty interesting to watch an NBA game and hear everything on the floor. And uh, you're going to have to have the sensors from TNT and ESPN be ready because there's a lot of smack talking in an NBA floor. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. Heck, heck yeah, there is. Well, uh, over the last few hours, we've saw the NBA release uh, the schedule uh, in, the, in the so-called uh, uh, hyper world, uh, super super bubble world of, of NBA. Let's kind of go through some winners and losers of that schedule. We'll start with the New Orleans, I mean, with the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans are, are the only uh, participating teams whose opponents have sub-500 combined, combined winning percentages. And for those that think the NBA is laying out the, the red carpet to, to, to the playoffs, think back to early March in, when 2019 – 2019-2020 season shut down. New Orleans had uh, by far the league's easiest remaining schedule. So what are your thoughts on the schedule with the, the New Orleans Pelicans? Well, I mean, let's, let's not forget for one second, at the end of the day, the NBA always has been and always will be a television show, and they always want their biggest stars uh, in, the, uh, in the playoffs and, and on TV a lot. And, you know, the New Orleans Pelicans – second to, to the Lakers, I believe, you know, had the most national TV games. Zion Williamson missed the first, you know, half of the season. So there's no doubt that the NBA would love to see the New Orleans Pelicans and the Lakers match up in the first round of the playoffs uh, to see Zion against LeBron. There's there's no doubt in my mind. So obviously that uh, the Pelicans uh, have that road now set for them to make it to the playoffs. Whether they do or not, we'll see. But uh you know, and you know, and Zion didn't play a whole bunch of games before the NBA shut down. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of shape he's in. He's had a bunch of allegations to deal with uh, of improper benefits while the NBA's been on pause. So it'll be interesting to see where his head's at and where his game's at. Uh, but you know, definitely TNT, the NBA, and ESPN would love to see 
the Pelicans versus Lakers in round one of the NBA playoffs. So we look at the Memphis Grizzlies. I, we would, a lot of people would say that they're a loser in the in the schedule. Of course, as we just mentioned, the Pellies have the earliest, uh, the easiest remaining schedule in the NBA is 22. Ah, it is way too early to be talking, Mo. NBA's 22 rebooting uh, teams. The squad they're chasing, the Grizzly, Grizzlies are tied with the, the Lakers with the fourth hardest slate the Memphis can take solace in a few facts that it's been that it has a 3.5 game lead standing over the Pelicans the Portland Trailblazers Blazers and the Sacramento Kings the Memphis Grizzlies what say you sir well here's the thing you probably haven't seen the Grizzlies play this year because they haven't been on television a lot so you have to seek them out to watch them play but they are a fun young team uh you got uh, John Morant who uh will probably be the rookie of the year you've got uh you've got um uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., young guy picked last year. Uh, they're just a, a, a really fun young team to watch, and they're exciting. They're an up-and-down-the-floor team. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> these teams like to slow it down. Uh, they tend to have problems uh, with the Grizzlies. So uh, one thing I would say is try go out of your way to watch the Memphis Grizzlies play a basketball game. They are a fun, fun team to watch. Oh yeah, they are. I, 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 and I've had an opportunity to see them a couple times, and it, it just seems so weird that we're not watching uh, basketball and stuff. So we'll, it, it, we'll, we'll, it's kind of going to be fun to just see things uh, coming back and going. Another winner, I think, is obviously the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. Uh, they have the second easiest remaining slate, and while it isn't directly tied to the schedule release, the fact that Ben Simmons had time off to recover from a back injury is has to be a silver lining for the 76ers. Yeah, I mean, it is, but if you look at this team, they weren't playing well uh, as the NBA started to slow down. Things had kind of fallen apart. You know, Jimmy Butler, who came to this team uh, last year from Minnesota and kind of, you know, propelled them into the playoffs and through their their playoff run, uh, is gone in Miami now, and, and they've they've struggled uh, a lot in the part of the season after Christmas. They They just weren't playing well. Uh, and, and things have kind of fallen apart, and you know I think they were uh, getting ready to to uh, uh, maybe try to figure out things and put things back together. Then Ben Simmons uh, goes down with an injury. Uh, I know the time off was good, like you said. I think for the 76ers, it'll be interesting to see what team we see. Though, do we see the team that can be dominant up and down the court, uh, inside out, with uh, with Ben Simmons, or do we see the team that we saw as the NBA shut down and the team that just kind of lost its way? Yeah, absolutely. Joining us now also, and Matthew's going to be joining us uh, for some IndyCar talk here in just a moment. But Matthew Embry, uh, WSBT up in South Bend. How are you, Matthew? I got to say, Tom, it's a lot of crazy stuff. We'll get to that right now. But I think with the NBA, uh, I got to say right now, unless something dramatically changes, uh, you have to tag the Lakers as a heavy favorite right now. And it's not just because they have LeBron, but I think the wave of momentum and with the star power that they have, they're going to take advantage of this shortened season and get up to par a little bit better than some of these other teams. And it's not to say the rest of the teams are on a lower pedestal, but I think right now you look at who's there and what's in the play. I hate to say it, but I think the Lakers uh, are hands, heads and shoulders above the rest of the competition in the NBA right now. 
Well, you know, we were just – I was just actually uh, – that's a good segue there, man. I, I was actually getting ready to talk about the Lakers. We're talking about the winners and the losers of the schedule. And, well, let's talk about the Lakers. Uh, certainly, uh, LeBron James out there in the Lakers. Everybody likes to see the Lakers. And you, and as you said earlier that we thought that maybe that the NBA would kind of uh, format the schedule to make it favorable to their favorite teams. And everybody knows the Lakers and LeBron James is one of the NBA's uh, favorite uh, childs. Uh, but you look at the LA Lakers, they are tied with the Grizzlies for the fourth most difficult remaining schedule. And why their they're five-and-a-half-game lead over the second-place uh, Clippers is probably insurmount, insurmountable at, 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 uh, with this schedule. Uh, but the tougher stretch isn't ideal for the league's older teams, Mo. Yeah, but you look at a guy like LeBron James, and nobody's played more games than him in the last 10 years when you factor in regular season and playoffs. And the fact that he got to take, uh, you know, a three-month, four-month break, uh, you know, as it got crunch time for the NBA playoffs, uh, I, I think is going to definitely benefit the Lakers. And plus, you know, you talk about some guys coming back with rust. Not LeBron. Nobody trains harder and trains more, spends more money to train uh, and keep their body in shape than LeBron James does. So him having, uh, you know, this break right before, you know, we get into the playoffs, I, I think is going to be, uh, you know, like Matthew said, uh, probably insurmountable for other teams because, this Lakers team is going to be ready to go. You look at, uh, uh, you know, Anthony Davis, uh, who got to take a break and rest those knees and his foot. And, and again, you know, LeBron just getting a break because you, you factor in the extra seasons this dude's played just in playoff games. It's unreal. So I, I agree with Matthew. I, I think that uh, the Lakers are probably going to wind up being this year's NBA champions. And you look at a guy like LeBron now who will have taken three teams uh, to win an NBA championship. No other player had done that. So it uh, it could be a historical year for uh, not only the Lakers, but for LeBron James. Well, if the Lakers do come back and win a championship under these circumstances, uh, one, and the NBA is going to make this their, their the trophy. See, we, we came back, we made it work. Uh, but I, don't, I, I still kind of just just because we didn't have a full season, it kind of feels like not that it, it doesn't have to, Lakers insert name here. I just feel like we almost, when we tell the story of this season, we've got to have an asterisk, not in a bad way, but an asterisk that just says there's a little bit of a story behind this particular thing because we don't know if this would have been the, had the same outcome if we would have had the regular season. Let's talk about the Boston Celtics, guys. Uh, the, the, the Pelicans and the 76ers are the only teams returning to easier schedules than the Boston Celtics. And Boston, like New Orleans, has a chance to leverage that schedule into, into leapfrogging the team ahead of it. So uh, we'll start with you, Matt. What are your thoughts about the Boston Celtics? Well, I got to say right now, Brad Stevens, I think, is one coach that's under the gun right now because this team has been an underachiever. And it's not to say that he is not a coach deserving of an NBA job. It's just this team does not play the level of the sum of their parts, and they never have. And that's why we keep seeing them suffer early exits in the NBA playoffs. And unfortunately, I don't think uh, 2020, when we get the season going, is going to be any different. This team just does not reach its peak. And I don't know if that's a situation involving totally the coach. I mean, it could involve the GM. It could involve some of the other coaching staff. But ultimately, when in this day and age, usually when there's an issue like this, it's the pointing directly to the head coach. So I would say if they don't get the job done, Brad Stevens could be in some hot water, if not the end of this year, looking ahead possibly to 2021 as one of those coaches on the hot seat. 
You know, that's unfortunate because I like Brad Stevens, and I've, I followed his career uh, quite immensely. Obviously, he was here at, at Butler. Uh, but real quickly, uh, Mo, let's go ahead and let's move on to the Pacers. What are your thoughts about the Pacers uh, as as they gear up? And, and um, we we heard some rumblings from Victor Owen Depot this week. But overall, I just as much as I like the Pacers and I would love to see them succeed in, in, in this scenario – I think they're kind of a non-factor, Mo. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Malcolm Brogdon getting uh, being diagnosed with COVID-19, whether he's asymptomatic or not, is going to uh, have him under the, the special testing guidelines now. And, you know, what Victor Oladipo are we going to see when he comes back? You know, we started to see, uh, you know, Victor pick it up those last two games before uh, the NBA stopped. You know, and, and it was really interesting to see all the trade rumors uh, involving Victor Oladipo's name as we sat here in this hiatus. Uh, you know, so it'll, it'll be interesting. The Pacers are going to have an interesting way to go. Uh, what are they going to do? Are they going to get a trade offer, uh, you know, for next year that just blows them away and Victor Oladipo is, uh, is on his way out? And, you know, how does he deal with those trade rumors that we all saw and read while this was on hiatus? But, again, you know, what what, what player is he when uh, when he comes back? You know, the Pacers uh, had, uh, had looked not well with him in the lineup, uh, you know, it's just it's a different team, a different feel. So it'll be interesting to see how they put things back together, uh, factoring Victor Oladipo in full time, and if he does play full time. So I agree with you. I think at this point they're really uh, probably a non-factor uh, as far as it goes. You know, I'm sure they'll make the playoffs, but do we see another early round exit? Probably so. Yeah, we'll see. And you know, I, and I, I guess I'm just, I maybe I, I'm st- still the old man. Get off my lawn. I want my host season. So I'm kind of hoping that they get this through with. And I, 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 I really don't have a dog in the fight. And I think, like you said earlier, Mo, it's going to be exciting to kind of see them, uh, see a lot of coverage that we normally wouldn't see as far as and hear things we normally wouldn't see uh, on on the court. Uh, but I'm just, I, I want this just to come and go. I just want it to come and go. Uh, real quickly, Matt, we'll give you the, the final word before we've got to uh, tie, uh, tie a bow on this segment and move on to our next segment, which I know you're sticking around for. But what are your thoughts on the Indiana Pacers? Ultimately, you know, there are pieces right now, but I just think they're still a year or two away from getting that. And I think that's maybe getting some better players, you know, in the draft possibly in free agency to help bolster the roster. I mean, they're getting close, but it's still a situation where if Oladipo's got to score 30, 35 a night, that this just is not a team ready yet to make that next step. And then you talk about the asterisks. If it's some team that we did not expect to win the title, then yes, I would say asterisk it. But if it's someone like the Lakers, I want to put an asterisk by it. If it's in baseball, like the Yankees, Red Sox, or Nationals win, I want to put an asterisk by it. Uh, I think if it's one of the traditional powers, I think you should give them the benefit of the doubt and say it's a legit title because they still had to play the games and earn it. But if it's, you know, a big surprise or something like that, then, yeah, I think you can make a case where you can ask the risk on that accord. Well, we'll certainly see how history plays this game out. Uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show, thank you for joining us. Mo, where can people find your work masterpieces, sir? You can find it on Twitter. It's also with an asterisk. It's at Mo Radio. Show. <laughs> All right, Mo. We'll catch up with you soon. Have yourself a good week, sir. All right. See you guys. All right. 
Mo for the BS Sports Show joins us helping us uh, break down a few things, and we we kick the show off uh, just talking about this Bubba Wallace stuff, and we're going to get into that more with Matthew Embry from WSVT up itself in our official IndyCar contributor. Also, we're going to talk about some news coming out on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this week. Maybe not the news that we wanted, but hey, it is something in the right direction, and uh, so we'll get into all of that coming back right here on the Balance Radio Network. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more unbelievable Geico video. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. To the balance. Thank you, Mo, for the BS Sports Show, helping us kick the show off. And uh, joining us in, in, also now is Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend. Matthew, uh, you know, we titled this show NASCAR Got This One Wrong. And as Mo pointed out earlier, this isn't the first time NASCAR got things wrong, but 
They really got it wrong this time. And we got two parts of this story here. And so we, we gave a really big background uh, to the Bubba Wallace scenario. But basically, there was a what was thought to be a noose found at Talladega at Bubba Wallace's garage. And, we, and you and I both have talked on this show about how outspoken uh, Bubba Wallace has been. And so, so certainly nothing against Alabama currently, but its history has proven that it's it's uh, it's had issues with the civil rights, it's had issues with racism. Uh, certainly, again, not to reflect current Alabama, but I'm just saying its history does. Uh, and so, uh, with it happening in Alabama. Talladega with the uncertainty NASCAR thought well we've got to get out in front of this and we've got to make something we've got to just make something really uh, uh, really make something big out of this before they knew all the facts and they hired an FBI it took 15 15 FBI agents to determine that it was just a garage pool so let's take it in two parts here uh, Matt because we've got two different things going on and I think they that that both parties need to take some ownership and, and how this went south. Both Bubba Wallace and both in NASCAR. But let's start with the NASCAR part of it. Uh so let's talk about how NASCAR one approached it, reacted to it, and what are your thoughts on it? Well NASCAR still has a back down for that statement. They still believe, according at least to their spokesperson Steve Phelps, that it was a hate crime. In fact, uh, yesterday he was on ESPN insisting that he still believes that there was some racial insensitiveness to it because as far as he said, and he said that that was the only one that was, as far as those garage poles, that was shaped in that way. And the thing is, though, if they knew about it, which I'm starting to wonder if they did, and I, I, I sadly think that they might have. Why did they give that garage specifically to Bubba Wallace? Well, that's an interesting take on it, too, because if they did know that. But here's, here's my thing. Let's just take away just for a moment and separate uh, some stuff here. And noose is a rope, okay? If you've ever been to a rodeo, uh, if you've ever if you've ever been in the military, if you've ever been in the Boy Scouts, uh, the noose is just a type of a knot. And, and a rodeo, they, they they lasso cows with a noose. So a noose is just a rope. And when you look at other garage pulleys, I've I've seen stuff on social media, even in people's homes, uh, that look very similar to a noose. If you were to look at it like that, uh, but. You know, it's, it is just a rope at the end of the day. And so if you bring up this question that NASCAR knew that it looked like a noose, well, does that mean that NASCAR is trying to push Bubba Wallace out? Because they can't – it, 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 it does more for Bubba Wallace for them to try to push him out than it does for him to, to, to suffer through this, this stuff. So let's, let's move on to Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace – I've heard him all week compared to Jesse Smollett up in Chicago. I say I say no to that because, and I push back on that because Jesse Smollett planned the entire thing. He it's almost like he wrote a script in for one of his TV shows. He had actors. He paid people to do it. He planned the whole thing. Bubba Wallace, on the other hand, is kind of like the guy walking down the street, finds 100 bucks, and decides to put it in his pocket and take advantage of it. Bubba Wallace saw this opportunity to, to, make, uh, to make things uh, good for him. And 
you know, he, he said that he's wore out after this investigation and that that uh, that he doesn't. And I'm quoting him again. I quoted this earlier. He said, let's get this straight. He said, I don't need all the fame and the media hype to create my brand and to create my image. People know me. I'm 100 percent raw and real. And I just go go out my all on the racetrack. So I'm going to give him a yes and a pass on that because. We do know Bubba Wallace. He's the guy out there throwing the football during rain delays. He's playing his drums in the, in the garage. He's riding his scooter to race like a little kid. And so he is very raw. And he's always been very um, outspoken about everything. So that, this is no surprise. So he's right about that. But to say that he doesn't need this is wrong because uh, Jimmy Johnson doesn't need, wouldn't need this. Uh, uh, Dale Jr. wouldn't need this. Jeff Gordon wouldn't need this. You know, Chase Elliott doesn't need this. He's not in that elite case. And so anything that he can do to his benefit, he he basically took an opportunity, even though it wasn't pre-planned or 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 employed, he took an opportunity to create a uh a marketing uh gimmick, if you will. Over all of this, what are your thoughts? I don't think he was trying to market it because that makes it sound like he's going on the same thing as Colin Kaepernick. And unlike Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick brought it on himself. It happened to be a situation just started because Bubba was asked, what were your thoughts on this? And he stated his opinion. He wasn't trying to draw attention onto himself like Colin Kaepernick did. He was just put in the spotlight on it. So I think to try to, like some people and my colleagues have said, trying to paint him as another Colin Kaepernick, I think is very unfair in this. He was not the one that was trying to draw the attention. The attention was drawn from elsewhere and not directly by himself. So I think the comparisons I've seen where he's another Colin Kaepernick, I think are very uh, outstated. And I think they are very uh, misguided in that sense. No, I agree with that. I do agree that he's doing Colin. Colin. But here, here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. Uh, going back to my $100 uh, in the street uh, exercise, he went on The View. He was not scheduled to go on The View. He went on several shows. He was not uh, scheduled to go on. He went on uh, Colin Cowherd. Cal- he wasn't. He wasn't scheduled to go on. Uh, he, he refused to go on Clay Travis. He refused to go on other. He went on Fox News. He went on all of these places that he knew. What he knew would use this story to hype him up to be like Colin, even though he may not want, even though he, that may not be his intent. If he what if he did not want to milk this for as much as it worth, he would have turned down everybody, not just a select few. I understand that, but again, uh, I think we're being that saying that he's trying to exploit it or trying to make an inference to it, I think is the wrong way we're looking into this because, again, it, he wasn't the one trying to draw attention to himself. He was drawn into it from outside sources. So to say that he's trying to milk things out of it, I think, is blowing it way out of proportion. Well, we'll see. I, I, you, you could take an observation, and there was a – and I can't remember where I saw that, but there was an observation that over the last week he's mentioned the word noose over 10,000 times. So he wants to keep that word floating out there because he likes the word that the connotation 
comes with him being an African-American, the only African-American, full-time African-American NASCAR driver. He mentioned the word news over 10,000 times in interviews in two weeks. So we understood. I I don't want any word any further in this because I don't want us either of us to get in the hot water here. Oh no, it's no big deal. It's all good. It's all good. We just have, it's just things that they go on to talk about. But let's move on to other things, uh, maybe bigger and maybe brighter, but maybe not so brighter. Uh, and that is that uh, Roger Penske and Indianapolis Motor Speedway released a statement saying that they would allow fifty percent of fans, uh, and they're going to realign seating. We don't know exactly how that's going to look like. A little disappointed because they're also still limiting media availability. It looks like I'm buying a ticket, but that's okay. I'm going to be there uh, one way or the other. I'm going to be at the Indianapolis uh, uh, 500 this year. Uh, but uh, 50% capacity, well, we've seen it. They're closed before, so we know it's going to look pretty empty. And so they're not going to have to do too much as far as a realigning seating for social distancing. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts? 50% there with the um, Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the Indi- Indianapolis 500. Well, it's better than what I thought we were going to get. I thought we were going to get a completely closed door situation uh, for the Indy 500 and in qualifying. At least we're getting 50% capacity, and like I said, with the qualifying, it usually is not a big draw, so there's plenty of spots where you can social distance, and that's part of the reason why I'm headed down for qualifying and not for the race itself, because even with 150,000, I think social distancing is going to be difficult. But uh, I think just take it from with a grain of salt because I thought coming into this week and otherwise and up to it that it was going to be completely closed door and not closed to the public, and at least IndyCar and the Speedway, give them credit for at least opening the doors a little bit. Honestly, maybe more than I personally would have, at least if I had to say, just out of safety concerns to the public, but at least give them credit for taking the risk and at least opening up to half capacity because that's more than even I personally would do uh, in a situation like this. Well, and and I guess I I, I try to – and maybe I'm just naive in the world of science, but we look at July 4th coming up next weekend. We've got NASCAR there and we've got the Grand Prix uh, there. And we got, I think it's going to be fun. I would, it would be so much fun if they would just do this in a regular world and, and not be forced into the situation. I've always thought it would be great to have NASCAR and IndyCar at the track at the same time. We got it. There's no fans there, but I'm just wondering what's the difference between 30 days, if you will, roughly, uh, and why we can have 50% fans in 30 days that we can't have, you know, fans there here coming up uh, this weekend for, for the NASCAR and the, in, in the Grand Prix. Uh, so I, I, I look at that, uh, but we, we'll, we'll see. You know, I, I just, I guess, as I mentioned earlier in the, in the last segment, I'm just ready to uh, get this over with and get back to the, to the, to the, to the normal. We've got a race this weekend. Let's talk about that. And let's talk about IndyCar, where we're at, and how they, even though they're, they've been racing without fans, uh, and uh, obviously we've just talked about the Indianapolis 500, so fans are going to be coming back uh, to IndyCar. But let's talk a little bit about IndyCar and its, its current state and standings, and, and what say you just give us a, a, a state of the report of IndyCar as we see it right now. Well, Dick. Those that uh, missed the, the Texas race, Scott Dixon won that going away. 
I don't think he's going to win the GMR Grand Prix next weekend, though. I think, keep in mind, when you look at that race, only two men in its history have won it. One's Simon Pagino, one's Will Power. Uh, smart Money says Power, and I would say if there's going to be someone other than those two to win, uh, my best bet would probably be one of the other Penske drivers, Joseph Newgarden being one of those, and Elio Castaneves if he runs it, which there's still a possibility he could. And then uh, I would say the other guy that I think is honestly, in terms of Ganassi, the better of the road racers on that team right now, and that's Felix Rosenquist. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And I think Felix proved last year here at Indianapolis that he is the, the road course driver. Let's start going through these stables and see where we're at with everything. We'll start uh, with, will you, since you mentioned uh, Felix, let's start with Chip Canessi. Looking good right now. I still think uh, there's a work in progress with the Marcus Erickson entry. And obviously Dixon's going to be competitive, but I just don't think uh, if you're talking about the races where at Indianapolis where he can be competitive and a real threat, I think the better bet right now is the Indy 500 and not necessarily the Grand Prix of Indianapolis. So the other teammate there over there at Chip Canassi is Scott Dixon. And I think a lot of people are starting to talk about Scott Dixon's retirement. I, I don't think that he's there yet. What are your thoughts? I think it just depends on how he re- competes with the Penske cars and how he fares against his teammate Rosenquist. If Rosenquist starts getting the upper hand on him, which he hasn't gotten there yet, but I think I think the Texas race shows he's getting close. Uh, if it starts flipping in Rosenquist's direction, I think we can talk about it. But as long as he's still the number one there, which for now I'd say he is based on that Texas win, uh, I think he is still well away from any retirement talks and uh, certainly well away from it as opposed to where uh, TK is right now. Let's move on over to the biggest uh, stable, if you will, especially at the Indianapolis 500, but across, across racing as well in, in uh, Team Penske. What are your thoughts? Is it me, or does it seem like it's a disappointing weekend when they don't win, considering the strength of that team and the strength of their driving uh, trio? Totally agree. I totally agree. So, so yeah, it's second and third in Texas, but even then, I still think it's a glass half empty for that organization. I mean, maybe I'm being too harsh considering all their success, but considering I think they have two of the three, if not the three best drivers on the circuit right now, with the exception of maybe Pagano, um, I think you it's a, surprising when they don't win races at this point. And that's not saying that IndyCar is uncompetitive. It's competitive, certainly, based on some of this probably we saw it up front in Texas, but still you have to find a way to beat the Penske cars. And uh, for a majority of the last several years, and you look through the record books, that's been a tough ask. What are we looking at with AJ Foyt racing this year? They showed potential at Texas, but the surprise was it was Charlie Kimball that showed it, not necessarily Tony Kanaan. That maybe bodes well for Kimball, who's had some decent runs in the Indianapolis Grand Prix. But uh, I'd say if someone's going to break through, I think Dalton Kellett is still a project at this point in that 14 car. And even if he has some good runs, I still don't think he's there as far as a candidate to run the full schedule, say, in 2021. So right now I'd say if there is a chance for a podium or a victory, it's probably going to come from Charlie Kimball if you're talking the Foyt camp. 
Delcoin Racing. We're a no-show at, at uh, Texas. I was really surprised. I mean, Alex Palou had his problems early, and Santino Ferrucci was a complete non-factor the entire way. So that was, I'd say, if you're talking about disappointments, uh, Dale Coyne's team was one of them. So let's, let's, let's kind of get into some upcoming races. Of course, we've got the Grand Prix right here in Indianapolis next weekend, even though it's not going to be with fans. It's going to be on the road course. So let's talk about the upcoming Grand Prix. Well, obviously, it's going to be an event where I think getting a good grid position is going to be key because we keep talking about that tight first turn, second turn entry where we see a lot of first lap accidents and restart accidents. So getting a good position on the grid, I think, is paramount. So if you're able to get in the Firestone Fast 6, uh, as far as qualifications go, I think you have a very good or a major advantage on the remainder of the field. You know, it's raining here right now. I tell you what, it's kind of fun to watch the Grand Prix in the rain because they run in the rain. Those rooster tails are, are great to watch. And if you've never been to a road course, I encourage you to do it. But certainly, when, when you can, when they let us, uh, get out to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway because it's a fun race to watch. And, and, and there's a lot of times there's a lot of action. Remember a few years back when there was a, 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 a red flag wreck right at the beginning of the wreck? I remember Greg Ballard was right down there flying the, the green flag and he got he got hit, hit with a piece of the car it was kind of kind of crazy yeah that was, Let's go. That was the start tobacco that year yeah that was the crazy that was crazy yeah so let's go into some of these drivers while we got a few more minutes left here on this segment. Uh, let's go into Simon Patajon. Uh, certainly Simon Patajon is the defending winner of the Indianapolis 500 uh, this year. So what are, what are we looking at with him with the Frenchman coming into Indianapolis this year? Obviously, a good chance coming in. I mean, like I said, he only he and Power have won the Indianapolis Grand Prix, so I uh, would not be surprised uh, if one of them break through. And of course, not only did Simon Pagano win the Indy 500 last year, he has won the two last two of these uh, Indianapolis Grand Prix as well. You know, here's a fan favorite, and I've, I've enjoyed watching him through his career, even back when he was uh, with uh, with Sarah and and. Uh, uh, Ed Carpenter, and that's Joseph Newgarden, obviously from Tennessee. Uh, he drives a Chevy as well. Uh, certainly, he's a teammate to Simon Patajan. But what are your thoughts? Can he win the big race? That's the only question in my mind right now. And obviously, the big race that he hasn't won yet is the Indy 500. He's the only member of Team Penske looking ahead to the month of August and the Indy 500 weekend that has yet to win the big one so the question is is when he'll win the big one not if but when and he'll become another driver from Penske to win it and obviously you talk about victories that would be number 19 for Penske if you were to win the Indy 500 uh, coming up in August so let's get an update on a couple drivers that have kind of uh, uh, fell out of the loop if you will Zach Veach and Connor Daly I wouldn't say they've fallen out of the loop I mean Beach had a heck of a run at Texas so did Daly I mean I wouldn't say they've fallen out of the loop by any means. I think that's uh, a misguided statement there, to be honest with you. They okay. that top well, ten. Well, I guess uh, we, we've been talking a lot about other drivers, and as I listen to other shows and podcasts, they're, they're just not talked about a lot. So, you know, no, I knew they had some strong strong finishes. That was that was kind of the direction of the question, was because they've had such strong finishing, maybe I should have worded it this way, because they've had such strong finishing, why aren't they getting the recognition that they should be getting at this point? 
That's the other thing, though. It's just one race. That might be the other thing that hurts them. Now, if it's more consistency, I think they'll get them on the bandwagon. But, again, one race doesn't make a career unless, say, it's the Indy 500 or one of the other big races that you happen to win and you happen to win. I mean, that's why, for instance, I mean, a lot of people question whether or not Buddy Rice is an elite driver. But, again, you look at his record and Indy 500 winner. They'll always stand with a guy like a Buddy Rice. And even though a lot of people don't consider him one of the best drivers during his era, he still won the Indy 500. And a lot of drivers in his supposed range can't say that. Ed Carpenter and Ed Carpenter Racing. We didn't get into him earlier when we were talking about the team. So let's because we'll hit two birds with one stone there. Ed Carpenter and Ed Carpenter Racing. He had a good run. The thing that hurt him in Texas was he qualified poorly. If he had qualified better, and obviously they had to be cautious considering what happened to Ryan VK with his issues and having to put the car back together. But I think if they had had fewer issues in that sense, I think he would have been a bigger factor and would have been much higher up on the starting grid. But, yeah, that qualifying run really hurt him, and he was having to play catch-up the whole race. Now, granted, he had a decent result, but uh, it could have been a whole lot better had he been further up on the grid, like probably be when we get to the Indianapolis 500. Let's talk a little bit about Andretti and Andretti Racing. Ryan hunter Ray, Colton Herta, certainly those are two different racing teams, but they're both owned by Andretti. Uh, one's Andretti Harding, uh, Stan Brider for Colton, and then, of course, Andretti Autosport for, for Ryan hunter Ray. Uh, what are your thoughts on Andretti and Colton Herta and Ryan hunter Ray? Well, all I can say is hunter Ray's entitled to another chance because he was one of the two that had the – uh, technical gap where it cost him and put him to the back of the line and then had the penalty, which I honestly thought was too much of a penalty. And obviously Rossi had the same uh, situation before him before the Texas start. So both of them were out of it before the race even began. So I think each of them is entitled to another chance. And I'd say if there is maybe someone outside the big two that could possibly break through uh, looking ahead to July 4th, uh, I would say uh, Alexander Rossi, based on his success on road courses and his experience in F1, I would say could be that one guy to break through and possibly end the uh, domination that Pagano and Power have had on this event. Let's talk about a trio Chevy drivers, if you will. Uh, Tony Kanaan with A.J. Foyt, uh, Charlie Kimball also with A.J. Foyt, and uh, Pato Award uh, with Errol McLaren. I need to check the list to see who's running the 14. I believe Bourdais is not the guy. I believe it's going to be Dalton Kellett in the 14 for the GMR Grand Prix next weekend because Kanan today is going to run the ovals. Kimball, like I said, had a decent run at Texas. Unfortunately, that late race crash uh, cost him the result that he should have got. And then who was the other man, driver you mentioned? Pato Award. Uh, needs to control his emotions. I think uh, it's the issue with Pato is it between the years. You saw it during the internet events with the Indy iRacing Challenge, and I think you kind of saw it in some other events previous to this. Uh, I think he needs to, you know, get more of a mental game where he doesn't drive the car and try to drive the car 150% every lap because you do that nine times out of ten, you either break the car or you end up in the fence. So, I think uh, self-control right now is the thing that Pato needs to do and take it a little bit easier. I mean, that's the thing that hurt Kyle Busch in the early part of his NASCAR career. I think if uh, Pato tones it down a little bit here, the McLaren uh, SP team, I think, is capable of providing him a car that can run up front. 
Well, we got got a little bit, just a minute or two left here, so let's uh, wrap it up here with Will Power, Marco Andretti, and Alexander Rossi. Like I said, Rossi's going to be a threat next weekend for sure. Marco Andretti, uh, still I think there's a lot of question marks uh, with him right now. And then I think you look at the remainder of the fields, obviously you got a few other guys in there. Will Power certainly being a former winner of this event has to be a threat. And then uh, you talk about other possibilities. Uh, I think year two, I'll be very curious to see how the Colton Hurd experiment goes in year two for him with Andretti Autosport now as a full-time member. I think uh, he's learned a few things. He's learned to be not so aggressive as opposed to the way he was last year. And I think uh, that mental game, he'll be more competitive and not just in terms of winning races, but I think you'll see more top 10, top five finishes from Colton Hurd as opposed to what you saw last year. Matthew Embry, WSPT up in South Bend, joining us talking some IndyCar and also helping us break down a little bit of this NASCAR bubble wall of stuff. We appreciate you joining us. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? M-A-T-T-M-B-U-R-Y. And like I said, uh, told you uh, off uh, air, uh, we're really concerned about the future of Anna Beatrice, possibly being involved in that embezzlement uh, of multiple mm-hmm. hospitals in Brazil, involving her family as well. So that could be uh, a sad ending to one of the more popular drivers in IndyCar. And then uh, obviously looking ahead to IMSA next weekend as well, uh, only 26 cars on the entry list for Daytona. So you talk about a serious potentially in crisis, uh, IMSA sports car racing with the dwindling car count certainly has to be on that list. Absolutely. Matthew Embry, where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y on Twitter. And uh, curious to see what happens here over the next few days. It could be very interesting as things start to get back up and going here very soon. Absolutely. Matthew, have yourself a good weekend. We'll talk with you soon, sir. Anytime, Tom. Matthew Embry, WSPT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. We'll be back with Steve Wilson, our official NASCAR contributor, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest. We're going to continue to unpack this Bubba Wallace and NASCAR story. Obviously, you're looking at it at two parts, uh, so we'll get into that. And obviously, uh, some NASCAR racing out up to Pocono uh, down in the mountains this weekend. We'll be right back right here on the Palms Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. 
I got it, I got it. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 four four with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're in my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. All right, welcome back to the Pellets. One hour in the books, boys and girls. My name is Tom Marcus, El Presidente. 917-889-889-8516 is our digit. And so glad that you guys can join us here on a, well, a rainy day here high atop the Balance Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis, Indiana. Joining us now, we appreciate uh, Mo for the BAS Sports Show joining us and helping us break down the, the bringing back of the NBA. Also uh, helping us begin the, the conversation and dialogue about Bubba Wallace. Also, Matthew Embry, WSPT up in South Bend, uh, continued a little bit of dialogue about Bubba Wallace and just uh, the uh, IndyCar. And as we get ready for the Grand Prix, and uh, we certainly get ready for some upcoming IndyCar races and the standing of where IndyCar is. And as we found out this week, uh, yesterday, uh, that uh, there'll be 50% in the fans at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Maybe that's a compromise. It's better than nothing, people. Looks like I'm going to have to buy a ticket this year, but that's okay. I I'm going to be at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, but uh, I'm just going to be curious to see how all that plays out. And I, I guess I just kind of want to say I want all of this stuff to be over with, and let's get back to normal, even if we don't know what normal is anymore. But joining us right now is the guy who does know what normal is, Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest. How are you doing, sir? Doing well. How about yourself? Oh, fantastic! You know, it is it is what it is. You know, coming up on the Fourth of July next weekend, we got a rainy day. Had a sunny day yesterday, so maybe the sun will come out. Uh, come out, uh, uh, but uh, it's a it's a it's a rumbling out there right now. Uh, uh, let's 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 get into this. I mean, obviously, it's the elephant in the room, if you will. And so we got two sides of this story, and I've broken it down a couple times. Today, so I don't need to go back through all of it, but we all know what happened with Bubba Wallace. And so I think we have parts to this story, and I think both parts dropped the ball. And I, one part, I think NASCAR dropped the ball because they, they were just, they were, and I kind of understand why they did it because, you know, uh, of, the, of the element of the world that we're in right now and everything that's going on with the riots and everything. I, I kind of feel like I understand why they jumped the ball and, and making sure that they let everybody know that they, because see, I feel like, this could have happened in a normal world. Someone could have went to 
NASCAR and said, hey, I found this. It was in Bubba Wallace's garage. They would have did an internal investigation and said, no, it wasn't that item, but thank you for bringing it to our attention. And nobody, none the wiser, would have known. But I think the NASCAR, uh, you talk about adding fuel to the flame, did that very well. And I think they dropped the ball. And I think both parties uh, maybe use this kind of a, as, as, a, as a PR uh, thing, maybe even if it wasn't planned. So let's talk about this. Let's unpack this. Let's get your thoughts on the NASCAR side of it, and then we'll get into Bubba Wallace. As we, as we know, what happened is they found a, a, a crew member of Bubba Wallace found well, what he thought was a noose in the garage. Uh, he, he turned it into to NASCAR. NASCAR immediately made a statement, said they found a noose. Before they even had any proof, they found a noose. Of course, I mean, that's wrong by all, by all accounts. Don't get me wrong. Okay? That's wrong by all accounts. And, and I think that and you live in the South, you kind of know what, what I mean by this. Not that it's current Alabama, it's just the history of Alabama. It's Talladega. It was the, it was the, the Confederate flag protest and the different things that maybe they, they felt like this was something and that, that it was targeted for Talladega in its history in Alabama's history with Alabama, the South, slavery, Confederate flags. Uh, Bubba Wallace being the only African American. So maybe it, they, they felt like this was the perfect storm for them to to put all of this together so let me just get your thoughts on how nascar handled this from the beginning and how they're still handling it because they're still saying that the the the, the spokesperson for nascar what i read yesterday and he may have changed it or, or walked back on it now he's still saying he feels like this was a, a an act of racial insensitive so i'm just going to turn the mic over to you uh, uh steve and just unpack it from what your thoughts on how nascar handled it how they're handling it now and then we'll get into bubba wallace's uh, part of the story well i think uh i think with a lot of different things that you know in this day and age and it's just not in nascar but it's everywhere now it's a rush to judgment we don't need facts let's put a statement out, let's point fingers, let's find somebody to moink. And I think that's, you know, again, that's just not NASCAR, but that's everywhere these days. And I think that's exactly what happened here to some degree is that, you know, I think that, you know, I think that you're probably right in one one aspect of this. So they probably should have investigated. They probably should have done their due diligence, and they probably should have uh, – you know, followed through and then, you know, let everybody know what's going on. Um, But I think that they rushed the statement out and uh, the wording of the statement was, you know, very indicative of, uh, it almost felt as if they were attempting to point some fingers, say somebody did something that was insensitive to somebody else. Um, The facts weren't there yet to, to make those kinds of statements. And I just think that, uh, you know, the due diligence hadn't been done um, before an emotionally charged statement was was released. And, uh, you know, we've, you know, we, we have a, you know, we have a world now where everything is politically charged, everything is so hypersensitive, everybody rushes to judgment, everybody's looking for to... Uh, throw somebody under a bus, cancel them, um, you know, whatever the case may be. And I just think that sometimes that, 
you know, not just in this this incident, but you know, we can probably name dozens and dozens of other incidents, um, you know, over time that there's been rushed to judgments on, and then we come out later and find out that the facts are a totally different story. Uh, you know, NASCAR has access to archives of of photos. Um, they have you know, all kinds of access that they could have gone back and, uh, you know, this, the, the rope that was tied in the fashion that it was uh, was clearly visible last year in 2019. And I just think had they had maybe gone back and looked at, you know, hey, you know, was this here last year? Uh, let's look at the photos of, you know, that, that, that NASCAR has access to uh, through their galleries and through Getty and uh, through through other means that they have access and just say, okay, before we rush to a judgment, before we, uh, you know, before we run in here and, and call the FBI and, uh, you know, whatever else the case may be, um, let's just take a step back. Let's take a little bit of a breather real quick. Let's look to see if it was here last year. If it's here last year, then maybe we can discern a totally different topic or a totally different subject or a totally different talking point. And we can, you know, guide our investigation that way. But, you know, um, that just didn't seem to happen. It just seemed to be very – it seemed to be that it was kind of, uh, I guess, you know, just put the statement out call the FBI and within 24 hours found out that there was really nothing had been done to Bubba at all. There was no um, there was no ill will. There, nobody had targeted him uh, and uh, you know we just then NASCAR has to come back out and kind of retract some of their statements and walk back a little bit of you know their original statement and uh, that doesn't do service to anybody. Um I think I always feel that no matter what the situation is, I think we should always have facts and present facts and, and uh, you know, do our due diligence before making statements because, you know, sometimes it's hard to walk those statements back once you've put them out. And that doesn't, that's just not NASCAR. That's everybody. And I think we've lost a little bit of that as a society of, uh, you know, just, you know, don't wait for facts, rest the judgment, point, throw somebody under the bus and keep moving along. You know, maybe it's just me and my, me being naive. And and I, I'm just kind of walking through this in my mind. If, if, if it was me, if it was me and I was the crew member and I was walking through the garage and I saw this and I thought, this doesn't look right. I would immediately go to my immediate supervisor, whoever that might be. And I would hand it to that person, and I would say, hey, this is what I found. Now, whether or not he wanted to escalate it up further up the channel, or he maybe – he could have just said, yeah, this is just a, a pulley for the garage, but we'll go ahead and have it investigated. And NASCAR could have just looked at it and said, yeah, it's just a pulley. Did they really need – did they really need 15 FBI agents to tell them that it was a garage pulley? Well, I just kind of walked at the timeline onto that because you know it it is interesting as to the timeline uh, and how everything kind of pulls itself together. So the crew member was the one that found this um, on the number forty three T. 
going through the garage during some point during or after the rain delay on Sunday. The 43 team member took it to the crew, uh, the crew chief on the number 43, who took it to the Cup Series director. He then involved NASCAR security and other officials, uh, series officials, as well as NASCAR security. And then after it had been through all of these steps, it was determined that they would call the FBI. So you did have a chain of people that had access, had seen it, had looked at it, uh, knew about it, and were aware about it before the FBI was contacted. So, you know, so there was a chain of events leading up to that. Okay, even even at that, okay, it took 15 FBI agents five minutes, and I'm just – I'm exaggerating. I don't know exactly. It, it, it took very little time for them to look at this, look at some prior photos and say, oh, this is just a garage pulley. It looks like through all of those hands before it ever got to the FBI, somebody could have said, this is just a garage pulley. I think they felt like they – they almost felt like they needed to because of the culture that, that we're in, which brings me to the other part of this story, and this is Bubba Wallace and the way that he handled things. And I'm going to push back on what social media has been calling him the, 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 the uh, Jesse Smollett guy up in Chicago who – who obviously faked the news, hired uh, some uh, people, and, and it was like he wrote a script for his TV show, and he acted that out. So that wasn't what Bubba Wallace did, and I used this example earlier on the show, but I think it's just the best way to explain it. If you're walking down the road, you're finding $100, you put it in your pocket, and you spend it, and you benefit from that $100. So the, 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 how it equates to this story is, although Bubba Wallace and his team didn't plan this, he had already been very outspoken about the, the races uh, and the and the riots, which as maybe he should, and understandable. And I listened to his interview uh, with Dale Jr. on his podcast, and very well spoken and very well done. And and I, I you could see where he he's coming from, uh, from a point of hurt. And and so that part I get, I understand why he would why he would do that. But so that's fine. And, and, but he was already certainly had a platform against that. And then this happens, and he, he wasn't scheduled to go on The View. He wasn't scheduled to, to go on Colin Cowherd. He wasn't sc- scheduled to go on Fox News. He, wasn't ske- he was scheduled to go on a few interviews, but that was it. He could have turned down and, – and we were just talking in, in the last hour how uh, we don't want to paint the picture that he's trying to be like Colin Kaepernick. But maybe not, but at the same time, and I saw this in an article this week, he, he did over 100 interviews and mentioned the word news 10,000 times. Even after the fact that the FBI said that this was not a hate crime, there was no ill due do, do toward Bubba, Bubba used this as an opportunity to try to boost his brand or, or keep sponsorship because sponsors aren't going to drop him because he's being outspoken because of racism. Kyle Petty's not going to drop him because even if Kyle Petty doesn't agree with him, is he going to drop him because he's being outspoken of, of? So I think he just used this as 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 a security blanket for himself because he might, you know, and and I I used this this quote earlier, and uh, I'll use it again. Um, he said, and, and I, I, I'm sorry, I don't have it up here. I don't think I have it. Oh, here it is. He said, let me get it straight. 
This is this is on Waters World on Fox uh, Fox News. He said, "Let's get it straight." He said, "I don't need the fame and all the media hype to create my brand and to create my image. People that know me know that I'm 100% raw and real, and I just goes back and, and I just go out and give all." my all on the racetrack. So I'm going to give him a pass on that. That is true. That is what he is. And he plays his drums in the garage. He's got his, he's got his little uh, video cast that he does. He, 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 uh, he, he tosses footballs during rain delays, he's running around on his scooter. He's like a big kid. So I get that. And he does try very hard on the track. He's very competitive on the track, but he's no Jimmy Johnson. He's no Dale jr. He's, he's, he's no Jeff Gordon. Uh, he's not even a chase Elliott at this point. And so uh, he needs this, and he saw the opportunity. And going back to my example, walking down the street, $500 in your pocket, and you use it and you spend it, he took this as an opportunity, and he's still doing so. But then we still have NASCAR, Steve, saying that that yesterday in a, in a, in a release, they said they still think this was an act of racial insensitivity. There we go. I'll get it out. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the Bubba Wallace take on things, on how he handled it? Well, uh, again, you know, I, I think we as a society, as a whole, we rush to judgment. And, you know, that that's just, you know, we, we, we're we looking for hits on social media and, you know, for influencing and whatever the case may be. And, again, you know, this isn't just – and that's a recent incident that, you know, Bubba Wallace, you know, is the only guy in history to, you know, do something and go out there and speak out against something or, uh, you know, use an opportunity out there to, to create a platform. And, you know, he's by no far means the first, last, or only person to ever do this ever. And, uh, you know, I, I just think, again, that uh, – it, it, it's kind of hard to, to discern the whole situation because, you know, after this all came out, I, I just basically just didn't know what to say. And I still don't really know what to say. Um, it, 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 you know, I, I just kind of wish that, you know, while the investigation was ongoing and, you know, in many cases while investigations are ongoing, you know, everybody keeps a tight lip. Everybody stays, you know, you know, in their lane uh, uh, to see where the facts lead them. And then once, you know, they get hit the end of the road and they know where the facts has led them, then talk about it. And they use the experience to, to, you know, to talk about, you know, whatever the topic of the day is. I just kind of wish that, you know, Baba and, you know, everybody, everybody as a whole would have just, Tempered it, tempered it down a little bit. Let mm-hmm. the FBI do its thing, and then when the FBI did come out on, you know, a day later on Tuesday and say, okay, now that, you know, there was no, there was no hate crime here. There was nothing done intentional, and, and, and then gone out and talked about it. I, I just think that it could have, it could have saved, it could have just saved a lot of just, you know, uh, you know, finger pointing. And, and, you know, we, we, you, I think you could just look at social media as a whole and, you know, somebody's always looking to attack you for anything you say or anything that you do or you, you walk down the street the wrong way or, you know, you look at somebody the wrong way and these days and, you know, they, they're ready to accuse you of 
well, I can name any name, pick something out the hat. And I think that just fuels the fire a lot of times is, uh, you know, just, just as, again, as a society, it just fuels a fire. And you go look at social media now and, you know, any numerous number of hashtags or any number of uh, comments that have been made to any numerous people. And I'm talking across the spectrum and I'm not just talking about the bubble. I'm talking about the, the series to media to to other drivers to to sponsors to whatever the case may be i mean just go look at the comments that are being made both for and against and i just think you know it's just you know if we we decide as a society again i say this again if we can just take a breath sometimes let the facts let the people do their job let the facts lead us where they may lead and then uh make and then then uh, 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 affect uh, action or change or whatever we need to need to do once the once the uh, uh, once the once the information once the facts are concluded and you know I think sometimes that can uh, alleviate some of the heartburn that you know we're not have to put out competing statements or you know whatever the case may be and you know walk back our previous words. It's, uh, I think there's ways to handle a lot of things and I just again I just I guess I always feel that you know uh and I think I go back to to Kyle Larson a little bit that you know Kyle Larson he said an offensive word on you know I racing mm-hmm. and within 24 hours he had lost every sponsor he had and you know his ride and you know people were ready to just basically to to throw him away and cast him to the bin of you know history, and uh, you know I, I I said back then that you know we've rushed to judgment. Uh, what he said was wrong, but we've rushed to judgment. We never gave him a chance to uh, uh, speak. We never gave him a chance to see how he could be better or do better. We just threw him away. We cast him away. And uh, I, I said back then, you know, there was a rush to judgment on. On, on Kyle Larson and you know whatever what he said was wrong I'm not going to defend him on that but I am going to say that you know we did rush to judgment everybody deserves a second chance everybody, everybody deserves to be heard to to see how they can be and do better and uh, you know just you know these are two, two totally different two totally different scenarios yes but the reaction the knee jerk reaction and the rush to judgment was instantaneous and in both in both in both situations i i think we could have done better and been better if we just took a break uh, or took a breath step back lead where they may lay uh or where they may lead you know i totally agree and one more final statement we'll get into a little bit about this pocono race i know we've we've we've, we've kind of ran the clock out here uh but you know i, I feel like when all of this happened uh, with the Black Lives Matters and with everything that, that when all of this started and Bob Wallace began to voice his opinion, <laughs> I think excuse me, I think it would have been very appropriate for them to to surround Bubba Wallace like they did and in in and walk down uh, pit lane with his car. All of the drivers did that, and I thought I think that would have been very appropriate. But to Wait until we see this issue with the news to say, then now we're going to support him. 
I thought was a, a little insensitive on the part of NASCAR and a little bit showy on the part of, of NASCAR. So let's move on. We've got the, the truck series today at, at Pocono as well as the cup series today at Pocono. Uh, trucks uh, kick off at 1230, I believe, uh, 12 or 1230 today. Uh, so talk with us about the race in the mountains in Pennsylvania today, sir. Well, the truck race is a relatively short race today. So you don't really have much time to do much. Uh, I think, you know, again, the restarts and pet picks at Pocono are where you're going to make the both moves. So, uh, you know, you can't uh, you can't mess up on either one. You can't have mistakes. You can't get penalties. So, you know, otherwise you're just going to be hurt. Um, Pocono is a place that gets spread out real quickly and, uh, you know, it becomes very hard. Uh, passing and uh, taking positions. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you were going to say something else. I'm sorry. <laughs> so hey, as as we get ready for uh, uh, Brickyard here in Indianapolis next week, no fans. Uh, we've got the Grand Prix. And I, I said this earlier with Matt, and it would be fun to have this with the R fans. I've always thought it would be good for both series if if you could find opportunities to run a race with both series on the same weekend and i think this grand prix the xfinity and the and the brickyard is good for both series too bad there's not going to be any fans there to see it though well i think for a long time we've you know texas has run the truck series and the uh the indycar series together and you know they're they're really two opposite ends of the spectrum when you start talking about the fan base. Um, you know, the the fan base who watch trucks aren't necessarily uh, indicative a lot of times what you're going to see somebody uh, watching uh, IndyCar, and I think you've got a lot of short track fans and things like that that watch the trucks because of what the series is, but uh, uh, I, and I know for a long time we, we've you know, we've we've kicked the ball around to see how we can uh, put IndyCar and and NASCAR Cup Series together and uh, do, and run a doubleheader race or a doubleheader weekend or something like that. And um, you know, I think this is an opportunity to do so and see how it works out. Unfortunately, as you say, the fans won't be there, but you know, it is what it is. I guess at this point and uh, going forward, maybe it leads to uh, bigger things, um, you know, whatever that may be, maybe down on a line somewhere at, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, Richmond, maybe a Richmond weekend or, uh, you know, another Texas weekend somewhere or something like that, that we see, uh, uh the, the IndyCar series and, uh, NASCAR, um, pair themselves up. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, we appreciate you joining us and, and helping us uh, tackle this very sensitive subject. Hopefully, we can stop having these conversations and, and start talking about what's going on on the track, and, and hopefully that day comes uh, soon. Uh, I hope you have yourself a good weekend. appreciate your input. Where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Speedway Digest and SpeedwayDigest.com. All right. Thank you, sir. Have yourself a good weekend. 
Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com. I appreciate him joining us and, and talking with us about this. Uh, we're going to be talking with Ed Kratz. going to be talking to NFL, coming back to the NFL. We saw the closing of the um, – uh, not closing uh, – cancellation of the Hall of Fame game, which is uh, notably historically the first preseason game. So we'll see how that plays out. We'll get into some conversations with Ed Crash and beat, beat writer for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com when we return right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. minutes left on the clock here. Thanks to Mo for the BS Sports Show for helping us kick things off and getting things 
and get things started uh, with us today and helping us to begin to unpack this story about Bubba Wallace and the return of the NBA. Then we had Matthew Embry, uh, WSPTF itself, in our official IndyCar contributor. It was announced yesterday that the Indianapolis 500 on August the 23rd will allow 50% of the fan base into to there. So I guess that's better than nothing. I'll be glad when we we can have it have a, a regular race season. And of course, uh, just now we had Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief, our official NASCAR contributor, um, just unpacking the, the Bubba Wallace and NASCAR, two parts of that story. Felt like, feel like that both parties kind of handled it, uh, uh, could have handled it all a little bit differently. But to join us now is Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Tom. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm ready to okay. get things back to normal. I um, I uh, yeah. went out yesterday for the first time in like a week, so I had to make a beer run, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but this, uh, I this is you. the first time I've been I, – I had just like been when I went to the store or whatever. Uh, but um, it's the first time I've been in a liquor store in almost three months, and it's like walking into Ikea. They've got they've – got, you got to follow these arrows as you go through the, the aisles. You got to go a certain way. <laughs> you know, it's like, and the only yeah. people wearing masks are the employees. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. It's a, you, you know so it's there. Crazy times. Speaking of strange world, I know this isn't, isn't your wheelhouse. We don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time with it, but, but you could, I, you certainly have seen r- racial insensitivity. Ins- ins- in the NFL, when we look at Colin and we look at other things that have happened, the kneeling and a lot of stuff, I don't know how much you followed this story with NASCAR and Bubba Wallace, if at all. But basically what happened, and, and we've, we've gotten the breakdown, but I, I just wonder how NFL would have handled something similar. It would have to be something completely maybe different, but maybe something similar where somebody thought they saw something that they didn't see. Let me word it that way. So uh, – uh, one of the crew members of Bubba Wallace, which is the only African-American uh, NASCAR driver in Talladega, which is in Alabama, uh, last week, uh, discovered what he thought was a noose. Turned out after f- the FBI got involved and everybody else got involved, uh, it, 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 it turned out it was just a garage plate. You know, the, the ropes that you pull your, your garage doors down and that it was there. It's been there a couple of years. And so there's no way that it could have ever been anything directed toward Bubba Wallace. Well, the NFL came out. I mean, I'm sorry, not the NFL. The NASCAR came out with a big statement, said they're on this. This is what happened. And then Bubba Wallace decided that, well, even though, and, I, and he's been compared to the Jesse Smollett of, of NASCAR, I, I don't want to go that far because Jesse Smollett actually planned everything out and it was actually a, a clear hoax. What, what, what with Bubba Wallace is, kind of like walking down the street and find a hundred bucks and you're going to spend it. He used it to his advantage. And so both, both parties, I felt like used this as an opportunity to, to, to make this more than what it was. And in, in the insensitive world that we're in right now. So basically it took several through several hands of people looking at this rope that anybody that is in NASCAR could have told them that this is just a pulley, but they were so afraid this was something big and more serious that they had to bring the FBI in. And then they realized what they already knew, the FBI used photographs that the NASCAR gave them to show that that rope has been on that door before. The, the thing about it is it had gotten down or moved or they were adjusting it. There were some adjustments made. 
other people in Bubba Wallace's team knew that because they made the adjustments. They didn't say anything. So what do you think would happen if the if something like this, something similar, let's say a uh, let's say um, uh, uh, an equipment manager was going through the locker room and he found something that what he thought looked like a noose, but it wasn't. I mean, you can insert anything here, anything there. A noose is just a rope at the end of the day. If you've ever been to a rodeo, uh, if, if you've ever been in the military or a Boy Scouts, it's just a t- the way a, a knot is tied. It's how the noose is used maybe is, is differently. But do you think that NFL and NFL players, insert an NFL player here, or let's just say equipment managers going through, how do you think that the NFL would react to this? And, and do you think that the world would be even more upset if that happened in an NFL locker room as, as opposed to a NASCAR a garage, because unfortunately, because of the, of the ignorance of the world that we live in, people ex- expect that to happen in the NFL. They, I mean, in the NASCAR, they don't expect that to happen in the NFL. So just, I don't know if you follow the story, but I just want to get your thoughts because it's our topic of the day and we'll go on into uh, some football talk. Uh, yeah, I, I certainly saw the story, and I've been following it. And you know, I saw a picture of what I guess was released, uh, and it looked like a noose to me. I mean, you know, I, what, whatever. I guess it was a garage door pull down, but it looked like a noose. And you know, we are in this era where everything is really kind of sensitive. And um, you know, I guess I can't blame the people for reporting it as a noose, uh, especially if it made Bubba Wallace feel uncomfortable. Um, I think if it was found uh, in an NFL locker room, you know, I think that probably it would be handled in a similar way. Um, I think you've seen with the NFL and Roger Goodell now with the whole Kaepernick situation and kind of understanding maybe a little bit more of why he took this knee in protest. And it was a peaceful protest now when you look at what's happened with all the protests around the country. Um, Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. And, and, and now Goodell basically apologized to uh, Kaepernick. And I, I think you're going to see Colin Kaepernick signed with the team uh, once things are, you know, able to open up again. You know, facilities are able to bring players in for their own physicals. Um, but I think it would have been handled the same way because I think the NFL is becoming more and more sensitive to what, uh, you know, the African-American community has gone through. And it, it maybe has taken this to, to have them open their eyes a little bit more and to have them actually come out and say something about it. You know, I give Goodell some credit there, the way he's kind of come out and, and said that they are going to be sensitive to uh, what, what's going on with the players and how they feel the need to protest. And, you know, that's kind of a, a complete turnaround from what they would, they, they didn't back Kaepernick or the kneelers or the protesters at all back in 2016. And now I think you're seeing uh, that they will, you may even see some coaches in the NFL take knees with some players uh, on the sidelines. Um, but you know, my, my whole thing is, is, look, I'm not, I'm not a black man that grew up in America. I can't, yeah. you know, I yeah. understand True. what they've been through and, and some of the, you know, the weights that they've carried through their lives. And I can certainly understand the fear when they get pulled over by a policeman. And, you know, I know it's taught in some classes around here. I've talked to a lot of professors from different universities here, Temple and Rutgers, and, and they teach, you know, black, black men will just panic and they'll start to run. You know, they can't even look you in the eye because they're just fearful that something's going to happen. Even though they may not be guilty, they're just afraid because of what's been ingrained in them for years. So, you know, it's hard for me to kind of, uh, you know, understand what they've been through. And I'm trying to be as, as sensitive as I can about it. And, you know, if I saw a noose hanging in a garage, and, um, you know, I wasn't sure how it got there, what it was doing there, or how long it's been there, it, yeah, I'd certainly report it. Um, 
because it did look like a noose. The picture I saw, if that's an accurate picture, it looked like a noose. Um, I don't no, know no. if all garage doors at NASCAR are fashioned, uh, you know, in that noose form or if they're just pulled down ropes or if they all look like that. But I don't know. I just I, – I'm, I'm trying to be more sensitive, and I've always mm-hmm. kind of been sensitive. I, You know, I've grown up in an integrated community and sure. an integrated school, and, um, you know, so I, I, I've always had that understanding. But now I'm even getting a bigger picture of it. And, um you know, whatever happens with, I mean, I'm, you know, I have to understand what, what's taking place and, um, and I don't understand what they've been through all these years, the African-American community. And it's, it's kind of sad uh, when you see some of these things that happen. No, you're absolutely right. And, 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 you know, Bubba Wallace, I have, when all of this started happening with, with black, uh, black lives matters and all this stuff with the Minneapolis cop and all of that, uh, he began to begin, become more outspoken. He was on a um, podcast of Dale Jr.'s podcast, and I had listened to that podcast. This was before the news incident, and he was just kind of talking about that very thing. He said, you know, after he got into NASCAR and, and it started making a little change, it, he treated himself to a really nice red sports car. He didn't say what kind it was, but he got pulled over. And uh, the first thing the cop asked him, even before he asked him for his, his license and registration, he said, are you sure you can afford this, son? And so that was that's kind of a thing that, you know, you don't think about that happens. So I get the sensitivity uh, of it all. I, 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 and, and I saw on social media a lot of people said, see, this is in my own personal garage. I'm not saying that he was wrong for reporting it. I think what should have happened just so we don't throw a flame on the fire, he, report, he reports it. They do an investigation. I don't think it took 15 FBI people to determine from photos that NASCO already had that this was not a news. And so let's calm the, the, the things down because this was not meant as anything toward uh, Baba Wallace. So it's, it's, it's a sensitive world. I hope we could get back to a normal, if we even know what that is anymore. Uh, Ed, but let's, let's go ahead and let's uh, get on to some more positive talk. Obviously, the NFL coming back. Let's talk a little bit about the cancellation of the, of the Hall of Fame game. doesn't really mean anything, the big scheme game of things. I don't even know if a lot of people watch it. But in, in today's world, it kind of was a big sign that everything's going to come back. And now they're canceling preseason games. People pushing the paranoid button. Are they going to be able to have fans in the stands? So um, are, are we seeing a signal here, or is, is this just a little knee-jerk reaction from people who, over a cancellation over a preseason game? Well, I mean, it's, you know, who knows what the, the training camps are going to look like. And, um, you know, it's really going to put all these testing protocols and guidelines to the test. I mean, uh, you have to say that it's not inspiring a lot of confidence that they've decided to go this direction by canceling two preseason games and the hall of fame game and all the enshrinement ceremonies that take place. And that's one of the, that's one of the highlights on the NFL calendar is that NFL induction, uh, those ceremonies. And then it follows up with the game. I mean, that's, that's a real celebration out there in, in Canton, Ohio. And uh, it's a concern to me that they're canceling these things. And um, I know the NFL is going to do everything it can to play its games, but, we're going to have to see what this training camp looks like. If guys start getting sick, uh, you know, through the first couple of weeks, I, I'm not sure they're going to start on time. Um, once you start canceling things, it's a concern. I think the NFL is going to look at how, uh, how the Major League Baseball operates. I know baseball is supposed to get 
started again July 1st with training camp. And, you know, I know the Phillies, there have been, I think, 12 people with the Phillies that have tested positive. So, uh, you know, the, the last 10 days, there have been a lot of positive tests for the virus, and that's a concern. Mm-hmm. And the NFL's taking yeah. a look at that. But, you know, I think the one thing that the NFL has in its favor is they have a very good relationship with the NFLPA. Um, and those two organizations, the NFL and the Players Association, are working very closely. They each have their own doctor, and the doctors are talking, and the, and the, the heads of both the P- Players Association and the NFL, they're talking. And, you know, they want to come up with the best strategy they can to make sure it's safe. But uh, you may run into a case like with the NBA, even though, you know, the NBA is playing in a bubble down in Orlando. Uh, players, some players aren't going to participate uh, with that. And, you know, Malcolm Jenkins was on CNN this week, and he said that, you know, he wants to make sure the threat of the virus, uh, the risk of the virus is completely eliminated before he returns. And I, I just don't know how you can eliminate the risk of the virus at this point unless you have a vaccine, and that's not going to happen. So you may begin to see as the summer wears on that some players are, are not going to come back and they're not going to report. And, you may see expanded rosters from the NFL. You know, you might have 15 practice squad players and maybe another 10 on the active roster, kind of a, a COVID IR, if you will, um, just to be able to pull players off of it to plug in when if someone gets sick and has to quarantine for two weeks. But then what do you do with the rest of the players? I guess you have to test them and make sure they don't have it after being exposed to it. Uh, do you have to clear your facility and re-sanitize? I mean, there's a lot of issues here that – um, you know, I, I try to be optimistic the NFL is going to play, but I, I just, you know, I'm growing more pessimistic by the day, I guess you could say, and then canceling things like the Hall of Fame game uh, and that weekend, which I love. You know, I love that Hall of Fame induction stuff. And mm-hmm. not to have yes. that, you know, is a concern. Well, yeah, and, and we were seeing the same things with the, the NBA. We saw 13, P, 13 NBA players test positive. So the, the, mm-hmm. there has to be a way to bring, I think, everybody wants sports back, but we've got to be careful on the other side and we've got to make sure that we don't relaunch all of this and, and see what happens. But in, in the meantime, teams are going about business as usual. And, you know, one of the, the biggest, uh, best safeties in the league right now plays for the Jets, says he wants to be traded over to the Eagles. But a lot of people aren't liking that from what I'm reading on social media. What are your thoughts, Jamal Adams being traded to the Philadelphia Eagles? The the Eagles are going to have to do a little bit of shaking and baking to make that happen. So which means they may it may, it may not benefit them that much, is according to what a lot of people are saying. Well, you know the Eagles are in on just about every player that becomes available. They're always on everybody's list. I mean, <laughs> Jamal Adams is from Texas. He would like to go to Dallas. I'm pretty sure. And um, I think if the Jets trade him, and I'm not so sure they're going to trade him. They're probably going to keep a hold of him unless they really get a good offer. Um, but, you know, I just think that uh, he's going to be stuck with the Jets. But if he does get traded to the NFC, you're going to end up having probably that best roster. If it goes to the Eagles, the Eagles will probably have one of the best rosters in the NFC. I think right now they're ranked ninth. Um, ESPN, I think it was, did a poll of the best rosters. Uh, they were ninth. I think the Cowboys were seventh. But, you know, if he goes to the Cowboys or the Eagles or even the Buccaneers in Tampa, I mean, they immediately become the team in the NFC with the best roster because Jamal Adams is that kind of player and he can make that kind of impact in your secondary. Uh, the trouble with the Eagles and probably any team is you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. Dallas doesn't have a lot of money. They're paying Amari Cooper $100 million. They just gave Dak his franchise tag of $30-plus million and, you know, uh, 
there's some other big salary guys. Ezekiel Elliott's drawing a lot of, you know, big paycheck, and the Eagles are the same way. I mean, and there's a lot of uncertainty right now with what the salary cap's going to look like next year because of the fact that there may not be fans, or if they're fans, maybe they'll do like the Indy 500's doing and maybe 50% capacity, and you're going to stagger every row and alternate every other seat with fans. But that's going to make a dent in the income, and that's going to have an effect on the salary cap. So, Teams really don't know what the salary cap's going to look like next year. So they're not that eager, I don't think, to jump in and pay Jamal Adams. I think he wants, you know, $15 million at least per year. Um, you have to have a team that has that kind of money and that kind of, you know, next year understanding what the salary cap is because um, it's going to cost a lot of money. I, I, I just don't know if there's a match right now. and. Uh, with anybody in the NFC. I don't think the Jets are going to trade him. I think the way the economy is with football and sports, it's just too difficult to tell exactly what that salary is going to cost and then what's it going to look like next year. I mean, the Eagles are already $50 million over the salary cap next year, and that's after you project what the Mm -hmm. increases have been, the average increase since the salary cap's been around. It has never gone down. But I suspect we'll see it decrease next year, or maybe they'll spread the pain out over the next few years. But, you know, that salary cap's not going to be rising anytime soon, and teams have to plan for that. Absolutely. Well, let's kind of walk around the league here, and let's look at some of the teams here as, we, as we're in the off season, and just kind of get your opinion on just teams in general. Uh, so let's start, let's start with the Atlanta Falcons the, and, and Coach Dan Quinn in a pivotal must-win season uh, coming off of a back two back seven and nine campaigns but Matt Ryan Julio Jones Calvin Riley Todd Gurley all have to do their part as well yeah Todd Gurley was a big pickup I guess in the offseason and um, you know it always comes down to the defense with the Falcons and Dan Quinn's a defensive guy so yeah this is a big year for him obviously he's got to come out and he's got to get that team to the playoffs again I mean after they kind of collapsed in the Super Bowl they've been very mediocre Um, and they play in a in a and what's a tough division, you know, that NFC South with, you know, the, the Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints, and now you have Tom Brady and the Bucks, and it looks like the Panthers will probably be kind of on the rebuild. But, you know, Matt Rule's a competent head coach, um, he'll, and their defense should be good. They have Christian McCaffrey. So, I mean, it's going to be a tough turnaround uh, for the Falcons. If they're going to uh, want to get back to the playoffs, they're going to have to take, biz- take care of business in the division. And that's not going to be easy to do. And, you know, Dan Quinn is certainly one of the top probably three or four coaches on the hot seat heading into the season. So let's look at the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals have been kind of on the struggle bus for a little bit. They had a decent season last year. But I think all eyes are on them with their pickup of Joe Burrow uh, in this uh, this, uh, superstar rookie uh, quarterback that they picked up in the draft. Uh, And Joe Burrow brings a lot of expectations. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of like Joe Burrow, kind of how his offseason is going. He's been pretty outspoken on some certain things, especially with, you know, this uh, racial uh, stuff that's going on. Uh, he's been pretty outspoken about it, and he's won some friends in that locker room, I'm pretty sure. So uh, I think he's he looks like he might be a true leader. Um, you know, he's kind of come in, and he knows his place, but he's not afraid to speak his mind. And uh, I like that in a quarterback. It's uh, easy to root for. So I'm rooting for Joe Burrow. I think it's going to be tough, though. I don't – not sold on that offensive line. If they can, you know, give him enough time to, to throw the ball down the field. Uh, AJ green is still, I don't think he signed his uh, franchise tag yet. So, you know, there's some acrimony there with AJ green. Um, but, you know, 
Burrow and Green, I'm sure, have talked. I'm sure they've worked out together. Um, and they're probably going to be on the same page. But I don't know how happy Green's going to be if he has to play on a franchise tag and not have that long-term security. I think he's 30, 31 years old. Um, so I, there's just not enough pieces, in my opinion, around Burrow and Green with the Bengals team. I just I know they had a decent draft, but, again, I think early on in a season, if we have a season, and Doug Peterson, the Eagles coach, mentioned this, that you're going to have to rely on your veterans because these rookies have not been out on the field. They've seen the X's and O's on their you know, their Microsoft team meetings and their Zoom chats and all that other stuff, but until they get out on the field, uh, it could get a little overwhelming for them. So teams are going to have to rely on their rookies early. So you have to look at some veteran teams that have pieces in place that can get that done, and the Bengals, to me, just aren't one of them. So uh, I think it's going to be a struggle again for the Bengals. Um, It's a division that, to me, is probably after the Ravens, you know, wide open. Maybe you can grab one of those extra wild card spots that's out there this year. Um, but I don't think it will be the Bengals. I think they're heading in the right direction with Burrow. Well, let's go from Southern Ohio to Northern Ohio to the Cleveland Browns. I mean, despite entering last season with plenty of hype, <laughs> excuse me, the Browns faltered to a 6-10 and 10 finish, extending the NFL's largest and longest uh, drought, playoff drought to 18 years. Are the Browns better, or at least are they better on paper this year? <laughs> <laughs> well, the new coach, Kevin Stefanski, you know, Philadelphia guy, um, seems competent enough. But, again, like the rookies, Stefanski hasn't really had his team in front of him to be able to kind of implement what kind of culture he wants and what kind of, you know, team he wants to have and the offense he wants to run and defense. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't been able to kind of assert his influence on the team because it, it's just been done in the virtual world. So, you know, you can look at all the first-year head coaches in the league this year, like Stefanski, Joe Judge for the Giants. These guys have never been head coaches before. You know, I know Mike McCarthy in Dallas has been a head coach, but he's with a new team now. So, you know, I think that's going to have a little bit of an impact. But um, a lot of love being shown for Baker Mayfield again in year three. There was a lot of love for Baker Mayfield in year two. He seems to be doing and saying the right things. Heading into year three, we'll see. Odell Beckham, of course, is – uh, doing and saying the right things, he's kind of been quiet. You haven't heard a lot from Odell Beckham, and that's a good thing. When you don't hear much from these players, that's always a good sign. So, um, you know, they, they had a they had a, a decent draft as well. They added some pieces on the offensive line. Um, you know, they're a team that I don't think they're on the Ravens level yet. I know they beat the Ravens last year, I believe, once in the regular season. Um, not on that level, but uh, I think they could be better than the Steelers. I mean, I like, uh, you know, what's being said about the Browns. I know I talked a lot about them last year, and your friend, uh, was it Jividen, you usually have on? Yeah, Adam Jividen, yeah. Adam Jividen, yeah, the Super Browns fan. I mean, you know, Uh I'm sure he's optimistic (laughs) as anything going into this year, just like he was last year. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, you know, you like to see these teams that have been downtrodden for a number of years kind of rise up, at least I do. Um, so I think it would be good for the Browns if they were to kind of, you know, find a way to win nine games maybe and be in the thick of a uh, of a playoff race. I mean, you know, they have that extra wild card spot this year in both conferences, so um, that'll add some intrigue to things. And uh, yeah, I, I would like to see the Browns. I think I think they've done enough. I, I like the new coach, but again, and he is a new coach, and that could be an impact that could cause them to kind of stumble a little bit out of the gate. Um, but maybe they get better 
as the season goes along. Um, Odell Beckham's certainly a veteran and Mayfield's in his third year. So maybe they, maybe they get off to a better start than I think, but I think that coaching aspect is something you really have to watch uh, for, for these teams, some of these teams going into the start of the season. Well, well, before we have to wrap it up and put the bowl on, I'll give you a chance to talk about your second favorite team, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> the Cowboys added certainly added legitimate insurance in, in the quarterback position by bringing on uh, veteran Andy Dalton. Obviously, he was replaced by Joe Burrow down at the Bengals. We like to refer to him as Howdy Doody. Uh, but how does the unit as a whole, uh, given, a, given its, I guess you, you could say, a bounty of stars, if you will, yeah, they, they really have a talented roster. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, and they have veteran players. And Mike McCarthy has had a lot of success in Green Bay, only won the one Super Bowl. But, you know, he took the Packers to multiple playoff games. Um, he's a good head coach. Um, no no question. I, I, I think they're going to be a better, uh, better structured team. Jason Garrett left a lot to be desired. He's in New York now with the Giants, I believe, as the offensive coordinator. Um, but, you know, I think they're going to be pretty good. I think the, the Cowboys are going to be very, very tough to beat. Um, adding C.D. Lamb certainly helps. They have a question mark or two on that offensive line starting at center. I know I think Looney's going to take over at center, but they drafted a kid from Wisconsin, uh, Beatus, that they probably will hand that job to at some point. Uh, the question is their defense. They have very good linebackers. Uh, Leighton at Vanderash, who you hope is recovered from that neck injury. Uh, you have the kid from Notre Dame whose name escapes me, Jalen Smith. That's who it is. And then, but their secondary, you know, they lost Byron Jones. Um, they drafted a kid from Alabama in the second round, Diggs. Um, but can he step in? You know, their safeties aren't real good. That's why if Jamal Adams ends up in Dallas, that to me instantly stamps him as probably, uh, you know, one of the front runners to get to the NFC Championship game with Tampa Bay. With Tom Brady, <laughs> um, but I, you know they're 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 going to be awfully tough uh, to beat the Dallas Cowboys, even without Jamal Adams. They could win, you know. They could be some high-scoring games just because of that defense or pass rush. We'll see how that comes along. They just uh, one of their defensive ends who had been out a while, Alden Smith, uh, just got reinstated by the league. He could be kind of a diamond in the rough. He was a great player, but had some off-the-field issues and. He's been away from the game, but if he comes on and develops, and again, it's tough because there haven't been any training OTAs or mini camps. So um, we'll see how quickly he can get back acclimated to the game. But if he pans out, he's another dangerous pass rusher they can put out there. So um, they're going to be good. They're, they're to me probably one of the top three teams in the NFC at this point. I would have to say three or four anyway. So we almost made it through the whole segment without talking about Tom Brady. Thanks for ruining that. Uh, Ed. <laughs> and he's been, he's been working out. You know, the, the NFLPA's yeah. doctor said we shouldn't work out. Uh, stop working out with the guys, and Tom Brady's still doing it. He doesn't care. He just wants to win a Super Bowl. So, well, because he's never won one before. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, all right, Ed yeah. Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. Thanks for, for joining us and, and, uh, and talking a little bit on our topic today. And hopefully we, we can move to things more positive in the very near future. Uh, where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Man, I, I really hope so. I hope we can kind of see some good news here uh, as we head to the second half of 2020. Um, 
My well, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Kratzy K R A C Z E uh, or SI dot com uh, slash NFL slash Eagles will bring you right to my my homepage. Sounds good. Have yourself a good weekend, sir. We'll talk with you soon. Thanks, Tom. You too. All right. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Thank you to Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, Matthew Embry, WSPT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. And Steve Wilson, our official NASCAR contributor uh, from Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com. And, of course, uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor uh, and uh, SI.com. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. We do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning. Make sure you download the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find the podcast. And we'll be back next week, same bat time, same bat hour. Remember, don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. This is... Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.